0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I don't know if this has broken through into more mainstream news at all. I think it has. But if you follow uh, technology news at all, you may know that the last year or so has seen a huge explosion in the world of artificial intelligence in what are called large language models. Technologies that can be trained to process text and then produce things that we never thought that they could. Art and music and lots more text, whole conversations back and forth with you. They're a little frightening. They raise some questions about the ability of AI technologies to create deep fakes or imaginary photos and videos. Students can use them to plagiarize papers And I don't know if you saw this, actually. Just the other day, there was news that a lawyer had accidentally filed a brief in federal court referring to a number of cases uh, and case law that had just been completely fabricated by ChatGPT. The judge was not pleased at all. Um, And there is some fear about the future for people like copywriters and graphic designers and software engineers in a world where AI can start to do parts of their jobs. But just last week, meta-AI the artificial intelligence research branch of the company formerly known as Facebook, now Meta, released something new, which I'm shocked to say may actually be good for the world. It's a service that uses artificial intelligence to transcribe speech to text and to take text and produce speech in over 1,100 different languages from all around the world, 10 times more than any speech recognition software that exists today. These sorts of tools are useful for many of us, but they're really useful for some of us. For example, text-to-speech software lets someone who is blind read an email or a text message or a newspaper by turning it into speech. Speech Speech-to-text can provide automatic closed captioning so that deaf people, for example, can watch cooking videos or this sermon. In fact, I don't think Facebook does it live, but if you go back and watch The video of this later on Facebook, you will see there is closed captioning provided, and it's not like I'm typing in my sermon as I stand here. It's kind of cool. And the ability to use these models to do translation opens up even more possibilities. If you think about it, in the very near future, a single app on your phone could handle a whole conversation so that somebody who's a refugee from a place where they don't speak English and you don't speak Dinka or Ukrainian or whatever it may be, could walk into a store or into a hospital and have a whole conversation because their language could be transcribed to text, could be translated, could produce speech, and back and forth, all on a smartphone. There's just one problem. Large language models depend on having access to a large amount of language. And artificial intelligence isn't actually intelligent. It's just really good at recognizing patterns. So what you need is a huge body of text in different languages that can be fed into this to try to understand the patterns and so on. What the model needs to be able to translate between languages is to have access to texts that mean the same things in different tongues. And last week, Meta's engineers unveiled a great discovery. They discovered a single text that had been translated into more languages than any other and is widely available in a digital form online. I feel like I've ruined the punchline. Even better, audio files of this text and closely related texts that use similar words are also available online. Their discovery was so big that they had to put out a press release. And I quote Collecting audio data for thousands of languages was our first challenge. To overcome it, and I think from the laughter you've already guessed, to overcome it, we turned to the Bible. There's no institution in the entire world, after all, that cares more about translation than the Christian church writ large. Meta's machine learning engineers were able to gather a language learning dataset based on text and audio recordings of the New Testament in over 1,100 languages, with an average of 32 hours of audio data per language. And this is unique to Christianity. If you compare to our, our cousin religions in Judaism and Islam, translation has a very different place. The Bible can be translated, prayer can be translated in Christianity in a way that isn't necessarily true in Islam and Judaism, traditionally, where Hebrew and Arabic hold a special place. And in Christian churches where translation has been resisted, we might think of the Catholic Church until the 1960s, you have to remember that, of course, what they were holding sacred was itself a translation. No part of the Bible was written in Latin, after all. It was a particular translation that they were holding to be unchangeable. We heard our readings this morning in our familiar English, but thousands of translators have worked for thousands of years translating these same readings into thousands of languages spoken all around the world. And so this data set includes not just the big ones like English and Spanish, Arabic, Mandarin, and it doesn't just include languages that seem obscure to you or me, like Gujarati or Burmese or Lingala, but are in fact spoken by tens of millions of people. This data set included languages like Moria, spoken by 15,000 people in south-central India, and Kilivila, spoken by 20,000 in Papua New Guinea, and Itelman, which is down to 82 native speakers at the southern tip of the Kamchatka Peninsula in eastern Sa- Siberia. The New Testament has been translated into all of these languages, apparently with audio recordings. And this is no accident. Because the story of Pentecost, after all, is more than anything else, a story of translation. The rushing wind is amazing, the tongues of fire are very impressive, but the miracle of Pentecost is a miracle of translation. It's a common tradition in some churches, I know we've done it here in the past, to have the text read aloud in many languages at once. Perhaps beginning in English and then having readers join in in Spanish, French, Creole, Dutch, German, Arabic, whatever other languages people speak. But Pentecost itself, you might notice, happens almost the other way around. Devout Jews from every nation under heaven are gathered together in Jerusalem for the great feast of Shavuot, seven weeks after Passover, and the apostles begin to speak. They're used to speaking their Galilean dialect of Aramaic, perhaps a bit of Hebrew, perhaps a bit of Greek. But when they opened their mouths on this day, the Spirit gave them ability to speak in other languages. And people gathered from around the world hear them and are amazed because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. The disciples are recognized as Galileans by their dialect. Yet the Parthians hear them in Parthian, the Cappadocians in Greek, the Phrygians in Phrygian, the Egyptians in Egyptian, the Arabs in Arabic, the Romans in Latin. Each one hears the disciples speaking in a foreign language and thinks it's drunken babbling. And then they hear themselves addressed in words that they understand, and they're amazed, saying, what does this mean? What it means is that the Christian message is and has always been and will always be a message that we receive in translation. Of course, that's true on the historical, the literal level, and it's important to remember that. Christianity is not native to our culture. It's not an American religion or an English one. The Christian tradition doesn't belong to us any more than it belongs to anyone else. And with the exception of that small band of Galileans, Aramaic-speaking Jews 2,000 years ago, Christianity comes to every culture as a translation, as something that's adapted, as a gift from outside, or an imposition. It's important sometimes to remember that our own traditions and understandings aren't the whole truth of our faith. And it's important to remember that our religion is one of constant change and reinterpretation, that the traditions handed down by generations before us might sound different from the ones that are created by the next And that's okay they're just speaking different languages but that's true on an individual level as well and i think that's the real work of the holy spirit for most of us the christian method message the good news of our faith doesn't just need to be translated from greek into english from ancient mediterranean cultures into a modern american one the meaning of our faith needs to be translated for each and every one of us so that what seems at first to be random babbling we can't understand suddenly becomes by the power of the holy spirit a river of living water an encounter with god who's pouring out that same spirit on us we come to this place seeking in some way to experience god and we're confronted with language paragraph after paragraph of language Some of it comes from the Bible, written down thousands of years ago and translated from Hebrew and Greek. Some of it comes from pieces of our liturgy written in Latin a thousand years ago, or in older forms of English 500 years ago, or just 20 years ago. Some of it is set to music, having been composed in verse. Some of it comes out of my mouth, and some of it you hear from one another. But none of it flows directly from God's mouth to our ears, unfiltered speech from God, all of it exists in translation. And to mean something to you, it has to be translated into your life. All of it needs to be translated out of that original meaning and context into the circumstances of the real life of each one of us, because every word that's ever been spoken loses something as it passes between two minds. Unless, uh, of course, you're talking to yourself, which I do almost constantly. But even then, putting something into words can be a form of translation from the chaos of your mind into something a little more straightforward. The fact that this makes any sense at all, the fact that some verse or prayer or lyric in this service might touch you or move you or comfort you somehow, maybe even change you, is the miracle of Pentecost happening again. If there's anything in this hour of your Sunday morning that makes sense to you at all, it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing you to hear the babble of a thousand voices speaking to you in words that come from 3,000 years of time and to hear them as words you understand and need to hear. Would that all the Lord's people are prophets, Moses said, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them all, And God does. God gives the Holy Spirit to us all. God pours out the Spirit on all flesh. God does the work to translate the good news to each and every one of us, so that across the millennia, we too can feel and know the love of God, not just in the stories of the past, but in all the wonders of the present. And like those ancient disciples, be amazed. Amen.